when whenever we went places, we just knew somebody had to be on hunter duty when uh, he was in middle school. He would wander off and make friends. And I think a lot of the friends that, that he made had to do with kind of games on and but Hunter met, met people everywhere that we went and it was just a blast and we loved him and one of my favorite stories though about Hunter is um, is we were uh, early into the lockdown days of COVID and his younger sister was having a, uh, a drive-through birthday and he had planned a youth event, bought snacks, and Jamie said, there's a box of Twinkies at the church. Let's go get it. And I was like, why don't we need a box of Twinkies for a drive-through birthday party? And we did the drive-through, and Hunter was standing there, and Jamie was like, Hunter, come here. And she gave him the whole box of Twinkies, and I've never seen joy in anybody's eyes before or since then. Um, Hunter loves wild rock music. He also likes Twinkies. So that's that's one thing you need to know about him. Are you mic'd up yet? I'm not mic'd up yet. Man. You're doing great. Just okay, I'll just keep going. This is how it normally goes anyway. You talk, I, I listen. I did bring that for you. <laughs> okay, so Doug and I decided to do uh, life lessons for graduates from the parables. And so we're going to have a couple of parables each. And like, do we legit need to share this? Uh, I think they're working on that. So okay. right now, if you want to do, go ahead and start with while they're doing that, we can jump ahead and do that. Well, well yeah, we'll do it one by one. Okay. Okay, so you keep going. And we, we have an intern, and so we wanted him to have something to do. And so we are going to introduce the parable with a tweet, and we'll put that on the board. And you try to figure out what the parable is. A story about thieves, gates, strange voices, and dumb animals. Some want to kill, others want to save. Don't pick the hired hand, go for the good one, which is the parable of the... I thought this was going to go better. All right, some of you Bible scholars. Uh, hired hand, go, what? The good shepherd, yes. All right, so uh, that's a parable that Doug chose, so I'm just going to pass the microphone. All right, this will work. All right, that means I can keep this as long as I want, and you can be the pretty face. It's going to be a long day, folks. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the uh, the parable of the Good Shepherd, and the list. I, years ago, I compiled this. I have it somewhere around here. I may have left it sitting there. There's like 41 different parables that are told in the New Testament, and about two dozen of them, about 24 of them, really revolve around this idea of here's what you need to do, get prepared, be ready, don't wait, over and over again, use what you have. And so that's all throughout. And so I really wanted to lean towards that, Hunter. And, and But then I, as we looked at the different parables, uh, he had picked a couple. We kind of did a lottery and said, who's picking what? He picked a couple, I picked a couple. And I said, you know what? I don't want all four of our parables to, uh, parables to be about, rah, 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 you need to do this. So we're going to start off a little different. And we're going to talk about a parable that we're less familiar with. It's the, the parable uh, of the, the Good Shepherd. And it almost even came across uh, as a... This one. We'll just share it. Oh, that is... We are sharing. Oh, use... Oh, we have another one. Sweet. That means he has to use that one. Way to go, Brittany. 
That's what you get for making fun of me. And so the parable of the good shepherd hunter is going to be a little different because it's not about what you're going to do. It's really about who you are. Right? I want to read this real quick. You're, you're all familiar with this. Therefore Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus continues, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the sheep uh, and does not go, does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters. The man runs away because he is the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Listen to this. He says it again. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep knows me. Okay. Um, I just want to stop for just a second, and I want to tell you something. This is probably you're never going to hear again at a, at a, a graduation a ceremony that they're honoring someone. We're, we're talking about all the excitement, but I just need to tell you something, and if y'all are in here, y'all can listen too, because I think this applies to you. You don't think you should hear this as an 18-year-old, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is really important. Okay, Your life is in danger. I mean, that's the fact. And I just want you to know that you are a very cherished person. And you have been a part of this flock and we love you dearly, but we want you to know that your life is in danger because Satan is looking to get you. And he is going to dress like a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing and he's going to try to take you away. And there's going to be a lot of different ways that this can happen, but I just want you to know that you have a shepherd that loves you. And how do we know this? Because he laid down his life for you. And I also want you to know this. Sometimes we have graduates who go out and they go all over the place. Sometimes they stay close by. I want you to know this. Wherever you're going to go, I want you to know that you're not going to be alone in a pen. Jesus talks about, hey, there's other sheep around. And Jesus is protecting and guarding them. And there's a lot of things that are going to try to vie for your attention. But I want you to know none of those things would offer themselves up for you. And that's what your shepherd has done. And so as we think about this first parable of the good shepherd, I want you to know that you have a God that loves you and that he has given everything for you. And the best thing that you will ever do will not compare to with who you already are, and that's a child of his. And he loves you so much. Go ahead. It's Okay. I'm tempted to just hold it here, but I'm going to pass it on. All right. Now, I, I literally drove from my house to here this morning just saying, he loves you. He loves you. You're his. Just reminding myself of that. Okay, so our next tweet. These storms are crazy. Had I listened to my contractor, I was going to build a beach house, which is the parable of the 
Wise and foolish builder. All right, so that, that occurs in Matthew 7. Um, and it is, the, it is the very last part of the Sermon on the Mount. And that literally is the most brilliant sermon ever preached of all time. Doug tried to re-preach it for two years uh, to varying degrees. Um, but, but the audience that would have heard that would have been blown away at the teachings of Jesus. I'm just going to throw some of the famous phrases out. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You are the salt of the earth. His, his teaching about, it is written, do not murder, but I say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemy. Giving in secret about the left hand and the right hand. The Lord's prayer is in there. Teaching about fasting. Teaching about storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven. About do not worry. All of this is in the Sermon on the Mount. And you and I both know that how you end a sermon really matters. And Jesus chose to write out on, of all things, a parable. So I'm going to read this. It starts in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, the only difference. It's not in the hearing, it's what you do about it. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And so Jesus... Uh, would have given this teaching to people who would have understood what he was talking about. Building on rock is hard. You have to get in there and chisel the land out, and you have to level it. And it's harder to, to go up from the valley of where the rivers would be to where it's nice and flat. It's hard to climb up and, and etch out a spot to build a house. You have to haul materials up, and once the house is built up high upon the rock, you uh, have to walk downhill and uphill to go to town, to go get your water. The winters would be cold upon the rock because you're susceptible to the winds. And so down in the valleys, in the floodplain, it's comfortable. It's the default. It's the way people live. And in most years, you're going to be fine down in the valley. But once every generation, there's going to be more snowpack than normal. And there's going to be a sudden thaw, and there's going to be a storm, and everything is going to hit at the same time, and this storm is going to come, and everybody who built their house down in the valley where it's comfortable, where like it's just the default, their house is going to get wiped away. Now Jesus was a tradesman, depending upon how you translate the word. He's a carpenter, he's a mason. Jesus was a builder. I wonder how many times he and Joseph would get called out to a site where there was an owner that said, hey, I want you to build a house here. And how many times did Jesus watch his, his earthly father, Joseph, say, I don't think that's a good idea. This is not a wise place to build your house. And so this, this word picture was just in Jesus' heart. And this is how he chooses to close out the most important sermon ever preached is with this word picture. And it's like, you can live your life down in the valley and you're going to be fine for a little while, maybe. But the storms are coming for all of this. The storm comes for both houses. And this is what I know for sure. This is Lance talking. There's two kinds of suffering. There's suffering 
that is not my fault because I lived in a fallen, broken world and people get cancer and the economy takes a nosedive and, and there's just stuff that happens. And that type of suffering, it's hard to endure. But there's a second kind of suffering and that's when you suffer for being a fool. That's when you know the teachings of Jesus and you know that they apply to you, but then you turn around and you go and you live like you don't know the teachings of Jesus and that they don't apply to you. And you get away with it for a little bit, but then the storm hits and it wipes you out. And that, and that suffering and that pain, Hunter, it's just a different kind of suffering when you suffer for being a fool. And so Jesus doesn't say, the storms are not coming for you. He says the storms are coming. And for, and for you to be able to endure the storms, to, to avoid that second kind of suffering, put my words into practice. Love your enemies. Pray for people that persecute you. Live a good and moral life. Don't commit adultery in your heart. Just, just all that teaching, the Sermon on the Mount about, about giving and being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He says the storms are coming for you, but build your house upon the rock of Jesus. One of my favorite parables. Your turn. Nope. <laughs> you know, you're just not going to give it to me. Oh, we have one. Oh, this is working. Oh. All right. Uh, okay. Again, Hunter, I know I'm kind of addressing you uh, specifically, and, and all of you are here. Um, so. Let's go ahead and show the, um, the, the next clip. It says, I, I know we don't believe in uh, what goes around comes around thing, but come on, it definitely came around for this guy. What, what parable do you suppose that is? Okay, that one's harder. That, that one is a little harder. I know, I know we don't believe in what goes around comes around thing, but this definitely got, this guy got what was coming for him. Does anybody know what this is? It has to do with sums of money. Yeah, it, it is the parable of the unmerciful servant, right? You remember the story, and I won't read through this one in its entirety, but I'll summarize it because I think most of you are really familiar with it. It's a very haunting parable. It's about a man who owes a lot of money. Uh, he, he goes to his, uh, his, his boss, and his boss says, um, you pay me right now or you're going to be thrown in jail, which means uh, you'll never get out of jail, right? Um, and so... Uh, the guy begs and says, "Just, just give me a, a little of time, a little more time," which is a joke because the the amount that he owes, he'll never be able to pay for it. Uh, and then the the master does something really amazing. He does more than this man could ask. He forgives him of his entire debt, and that's the per first part of the story. Uh, and then, of course, we know the rest. He goes out and find somebody who owes him some money. Now, I, I want us to be clear on this. Um, he owed a whole lot of money, but the money he now is owed is still a pretty substantial amount. It's not like a few dollars. Like somebody owes him a good bit of money. Uh, and he says, pay me now. And the guy says, I don't have the money. Well, you know, will you give me a little more time? And he says, no. And he goes and throws him in jail. People witness this. They go back to the master and say, look what this... This uh, servant of yours is done. He has been forgiven, and yet he doesn't forgive others. Um, and I picked this parable because I was thinking specifically of you. And I want you to know that there are a lot of people 
in this auditorium and a lot of people in this family who have prayed and prayed for you. We have wept for you. And we hurt for the sorrows that you have gone through in your life. And to be such a young man, you've had to endure some hardship that is far beyond what many of us can imagine and the losses that you've had. Uh, And that can leave you feeling alone. And it can leave you feeling bitter. And it can leave you feeling angry. And I think Jesus is talking to people like you in this case. We're not here to tell you that you're perfect. We want you to know that that God has forgiven you, just like he's forgiven all of us. But there's another facet to this parable, Hunter, and you are called to forgive. Um, And some of that has to be forgiving other people. Some of it has to be willing to forgive yourself. Some of it has to, to come to grips with a God of love who has allowed some of this hardship to happen in your life. And those are some things that you're going to have to wrestle with for a really long time. And I just want you to know that you will never be alone in this. And you are once again surrounded by people who just absolutely love you. And as you find yourself going out in life, you're you're going to be hurt again. And people are going to disappoint you again. You've had to put up with Lance as a youth minister. You've had to put up with me as a preacher. You've had to put up with Harrison as a brother. I'm sorry. Like this, like you didn't get a good hand, but I want you to know to be a person that follows the footsteps of Jesus and shows and models forgiveness. And this is not just so people around you will be forgiven. It's so you can live a life to the fullest. And you can live a life without holding grudges or being angry. Um, And I just want you to think about this. This is something I wish that I had heard when I was your age, because as I started dealing with people who hurt me, I had a hard time forgiving them. And I wanted to hold it against them and say, life is not fair. But I just, I want you to know uh, that, that it's not fair. Because of Jesus, you got something greater than you'll ever be given. And that's eternity with Jesus Christ and our Father in heaven. And that's all because of forgiveness. And so I just want to call you to model that in your life. When you think about your hardships and hurts and as you deal with people who've hurt you, I want you to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to release that and allow God to be glorified uh, through that. Good one. All right, last last tweet. Let's get this manager guy back in elementary. Son of the boy. Uh, how could you ever confuse 1,000 for 800? Lawyer up, because you, sir, are what they call shrewd, which is the parable of the... What? The shrewd manager. This is a weird one. This is a weird one. Okay, so this is in Luke 16, and it comes on the hill of probably the most famous parable of Jesus, the parable of the of the prodigal son. Um, And there's this shock ending, and Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 24 with kind of a similar setup. There's a master, there's a servant. The servant doesn't do what he should be doing, 
And in Matthew 24, in that parable, uh, when, the, when the servant gets found out, he gets chopped up to pieces and suffers as the hypocrites would. It's like, whoa, Jesus, that's, that's intense. Um, this parable takes a left-hand turn at the end. So uh, it starts in Luke 16 in chapter 1. Um, Jesus addresses this to the disciples. He says, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. And so the manager says to himself, What shall I do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their homes. And so we know he's been dishonest. He hasn't been a good person. Um, and he's worried about what's going to come next for him in life because he says, I'm not good at manual work, and I'm too proud to beg. And so he still has some authority from his master, and so he calls in the debtors, and he would have had the authority to do this. So he calls in the debtors, and he asks them first, how much do you owe my master? So right off the bat, we know he's not a great manager because shouldn't he know this, <laughs> right? Have you ever get gotten called in to the bank and they say, how much do you owe on uh, your house, right? It, so anyway, um, and the first one is 900 gallons of olive oil and the manager says, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it half that, 450. And then he asked the second one, how much do you owe? He says, a thousand bushels of wheat. And he told him, take it down, make it 800. Um, and so we, and I looked this up, that's about a year's salary. And we don't, and you know, in the fictional story, we don't know how many creditors that he does this with. Um, and so uh, in verse eight, here's, here's the left-handed turn. Here's, here's where you're thinking, okay, he wasn't faithful. The master was going to call him in, and he's going to punish him. He's going to put him in yeah. prison. He's going to he's going to have him stoned. He's going to do something. Yeah, this is where you expect Jesus to say, and he's about to get what he deserves. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, verse eight tells us the master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. And now Jesus is going to give just a very short teaching. He says, "For the people of this world." are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So Jesus is not teaching us to be cagey or dishonest or to inflate your expense account or um, anything else. Okay, Jesus is doing a rabbinic style of teaching when he's starting with the lesser and he's teaching towards the greater. And so what Jesus is telling us to do is to be good at preparing for the next stage of life. And so th there's an exercise that you can do that I think is helpful. It's called the, and then what? And so you can take anybody of any age and say, hey, what are your future plans? And so Hunter, if we were to do you, you'd say, I'm gonna go to NMJC. And then I would just simply ask, and then what? Well, I guess I'll graduate. And then what? I don't know, get a job. And then what? Maybe find a wife. And then what? Have kids. And then what? And no matter who you do this with, if you play this game for long enough, where does it end? Death. We're all going to die. And Jesus is saying, this dishonest, cagey, shrewd manager had enough sense to think about 
and then what? And all of us are sitting here with our own, and then what? Eventually we're going to die, and then what? Um, a very famous preacher who was instrumental in, the, uh, in, in part of the first great awakening in the 1730s and 40s in the Northeast, uh, his name is Jonathan Edwards, uh, he, he had a series of resolutions. And one of his was, I resolve to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world as I possibly can. He said, I'm just going to live my life in such a way now that I maximize my joy later on when I get to heaven. A great conversion is coming. We all have influence, uh, material wealth. Um, we all have relationships. We have all of these earthly things. And we came into this world with nothing and we're leaving this world with nothing. But what if I told you that we have an opportunity to convert all of the, of the blessings we have now into eternal treasure? Last year in 2022, the Bank of England in, uh, in the spring, they put out a, a notice that said, all 20-pound sterling silver notes and 50-pound sterling silver notes after September 30th are worthless. But you can spend them now or you can convert them now into the new bills and then they're worth something. Everything that we have now, if you play the and then what game long enough, is going to be worthless. And you're going to die and you're going to leave it all here. Influence, relationships, financial wealth, education, it's all going to get left here. But you can convert it to heavenly wealth, to heavenly treasure by investing it into kingdom things, by investing it in things that are eternal. And Jesus says, people of this world know how to make choices now for later on. As people of light, what are you investing in? Are you investing in it right now or are you investing in something later on? Very good. All right. I'm, I think we were about as derpy as we could possibly be. We were really kind of preacher face. We, yeah, we were just really going at it. But, but again, we are excited for you, Hunter. We are celebrating with you and for our other graduates. We're excited uh, for you and Jamie and Kip and Callie as y'all are going to be uh, moving forward in the, the coming week, days. In the coming days, I just I haven't allowed myself to think about this, but that's coming up. But like, we just know that 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 whatever's going to be beyond here whether it's graduation or it's moving on uh whether it's marriage whatever's happening in your life we just want you to know like this is this is this is at the end that we believe in a god who offers us something greater and that's why we're here and we celebrate even when we have these hard conversations and talk about some pretty depressing things we we know at the end it is all about jesus and the promise that he has for us and that we're going to be with our Heavenly Father. And so we just we want to encourage you to, to remember that in your life and, uh, and share that with other people as you come in contact with them. So it's your turn. You get to, you get to close this out. Offer the invitation. I don't, I don't want anybody to miss out. We don't want anybody to miss out. Um, there's a parable that I almost chose, and it's the parable of the lost son, but it's the one from Matthew. And... Uh, because it has one of my favorite lines in there, um, in the way that Matthew uh, recounts the the parable that Jesus tells um, when the when the when the older brother is kind of.
kind of being pouty about the party that's thrown for the younger one. He, uh, the dad goes in. The dad goes out to him, and um, I can just imagine him touching him and saying, "Don't you know that you're with me always, and everything is yours?" That almost every day. I tell that to Kevin Kelly, and um, we have a heavenly Father who's who's that good. He's with us always, and everything that He has is ours, and we know that that's true because He gave us Jesus. And if He wouldn't withhold His own Son from us, there's 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 no other blessing or good thing that's going to benefit us that He's going to withhold. That God is that good. If you don't know a God that good. <laughs> We want you to come forward and we want you to experience him and to say yes to him and to, and to get baptized and to, and to join his church. Whether you're in the far country or you're in the backyard, we want you to know that the invitation of the Father was offered to both sons and it's offered to you this morning. And we want to encourage you and peg you to take that invitation and join us this morning as we stand and sing.